Thank you for choosing this Dream Center podcast. Don't forget to subscribe for further updates. I pray this morning that you'll give us um, an element of grace. Grace for a very simple reason. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's been an awful lot of bugs flying around this week. And it's been very prevalent in my house. Um, And so we have those moments of a little bit of a, we're going up, we're coming down, we're going up, we're coming down. But you know, there was something that was really kind of uh, key to us this week. Pastor Tony, when he preached last week, which I I believe the context and the content of which he spoke about when he started to uh, minister on the recreated spirit was some of the best stuff we've heard for a while. Well, thank you, Veronica. It was some of the best stuff we've heard for a while. Because the depth of that understanding, the difference between your soul and your spirit, are key to making your spiritual Christian life work. Does that make sense? And so in all of that, I already used this this week, uh, partly used this week, um, Kevin as a sounding board. I said, you know, there's so many things I want to say, but it's not what do I say, it's what I leave out and be able to keep a clear picture Because I'm not going to touch on the area of the recreated spirit that Pastor Tony started, because I'm sure he'll continue to build down that vein. But what what I wanted to do, in the context of what we've been speaking about from the start of the year, was that there is a storm ahead. Is that right? And stay in the boat. Have we heard that one? Do you think we might have got that one quite plain now? We might have gathered there might be a storm ahead. There may be trouble ahead, but guess what? It's also a day and a time of great success. But there might be a storm ahead. So I was looking in the area that when Pastor Tony touched on last week, he used Psalm 51. Now in Psalm 51, verses 10 to 13, David declared this. Creating me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. In there, you saw two areas, didn't you, that Pastor Tony touched on last week. Take not your Holy Spirit away, creating me or give me a spirit that will sustain me. Is that correct? And I started to ponder this week because it's a great psalm. David's pouring out. The heart of David is revealed. Now, just remember something. I was doing a little bit of research. This is David the shepherd boy. Remember David the shepherd boy? He, he came from a rough background, did he not? So he wasn't from royalty and he didn't have high lineage. He was a shepherd. And he was a bit bullied by all his other brothers because he was the littlest. Get out and go and do the job of looking after the sheep. Was that not David's job? And then you saw the story of David started to develop. He found the heart of God. He started to write and sang songs. He went into the king's presence. He fought David and Goliath. He was able to be the one that his very nature and the spirit that he carried was able to subdue a demonic force when he walked in and started to sing. Because it said that when there was a demonic spirit on Saul, when David worshipped, it left. What do you carry into an environment that when you come, something else has to leave? Because it's not about David, it's about you. You're the vessel, amen? This is King David, that when you actually do your research and you look, because I did this and I was like, I can't understand this, so I'll send it to Andy because he's smarter than me. When King David made an offering for the temple... 
It turns around and goes, and David gave 76 talents of silver. And David gave 50 talents of gold, whatever that figure was. When you actually look at it, I thought, well, what's a talent? I don't know, I haven't a clue how much is a talent. So I started to break it down. So, of course, what do you do? Ask Google. I'll ask Google, Google, how big is a talent? So it tells you. Break that down. What's the price of silver, price of gold? David alone, alone, gave 133 million pounds worth of silver for the building of the temple. There was that many knots on how much gold he gave. I don't even know what the number is, but I know it's in the trillions. The poor man, this is what he's accumulated over his life. He pours out. So you see that David's got everything, but yet says, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. He never once said, what about the kingdom? What about the treasury? What about everything I built up? What about my pension fund? He never discussed any of that. The issues to him were where the value was placed was in the ability to not lose his connection via the spirit to God. Now, here's the thing. Pondering this week. You can all stone me later if you wish, but it's pondering this week. What is the difference between David and us? The difference between David and us is very simple. Well, I think it's simple, but maybe that's why you might stone me later this week. The difference was this. In the Old Testament or in the Old Covenant before Christ, the Holy Spirit would come and fall on an individual or rest on them for a task or an assignment. And once that task or assignment had been completed, it left. For us in Christ, we don't have to be the people that says, and do not take your Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, once we have Christ, is a deposit guarantee in our inheritance. He came to stay. I can't divorce him. I can't throw him out. We're not having a strained relationship. He's staying put. You know, there was a thing that I was reminded of. For some of you who've maybe been around church for a while, you'll know without me even saying what this means. So if you look forward, you'll know what this means if you've been around church for a while. Those of you who've been on your holidays might also know what I mean. Do you know what that means? Where's your exits? When you're on the plane, and I know what it's like, you get on the plane, you're all giddy, you're looking at the menu, what's coming first, what film shall I watch first, you're getting all the stuff, where's the duty free, you're flicking all those bits through, you're ignoring continually as the poor stewardess is trying her best to get your attention and saying, exit's over there and the toilet's there and don't smoke or we're going to prosecute you. All the bits, but I was reminded of one thing this week. I was reminded that as part of that whole process of not only knowing where your exits are, there is a statement that is made. In the event of reduced cabin pressure, a vent will open above your head and a mask will fall. And then it says, take the mask, apply it to your face, adjust the tension by pulling the straps on either side. I've been on the plane before, I don't know if you've noticed. Pull it. And it will be a dear to your face. Caution. Do not try 
and apply somebody else's mask before you've applied yours. Take care of yourself before you try and fix somebody else. There's so much that goes on in church and around our lives where we don't practice what we preach. I tell you continually that you need to do this, this, and this without doing it myself. Am I the only one or might there be the odd person who kind of falls into that category as well? We get to that place where we don't always do what we're supposed to do. So I was looking this week. And what I want to minister to you on this morning, what I believe I want to share that the Lord has been encouraging us with, is how to strengthen your spirit. Because I was looking at lots of different areas that when I'm in a boat, when things get rough, when things go good, where do I work from there? Pastor Tony a couple of weeks ago read from Psalm 107. And it says, you stagger around like drunken men. It says you stagger around like drunken men when the storm's on. And do you know what it says? At the end of all that psalm, God turns around and says, why didn't you cry to me when there was no storm? Why do we need a storm to try and feel that we need to put our lives into position? So what I want to do this morning is literally look and say to us that our spirits that we have internally is like a muscle. That muscle needs developing, needs growing, needs exercising, so that it can help us in any situation we find ourselves. Good, bad, or indifferent. Our spirit still stays constant. That makes sense? Do I need to cover, because I know that we'd love to class ourselves as being back in the old days of saying that we're Pentecostal. Do we understand the fact, uh, I just need to try and get a grasp here of how much I need to explain before I go further forward. If I just make some statements and you look bland, I'll fill in the gaps. We have the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, do we not? Yes. That you've been bought with a great price. Is that right? This is all through salvation in Jesus Christ. Once I accept Jesus Christ as my saviour, the Holy Spirit makes his home in me. Are we all on the page? What that means is that when I have the Holy Spirit who lives in me, did that mean that you moved to power? Oh, we're looking now. The answer's no, for those who might be nodding. I won't, I won't use on the mic who was nodding. But she knows who she is. <laughs> No, the whole thing is that the Holy Spirit comes in and the Holy Spirit is our deposit of his guaranteed inheritance in us. Scriptures for that I can just give you is uh, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 and 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. It says he's left the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. Now, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit comes and he dwells in every single one of us so that we're sealed if the enemy looks, he sees that there is a seal on our lives. The seal is we're bought with the blood, we're bought and paid for, and the Holy Spirit is on us. Is that Bible? Again, I'm giving you very broad brush because I don't need to go into all of the details. What happens is, it's almost like saying, if this church building is your life, we've allowed the Holy Spirit into the foyer. Does that make sense? 
When we have empowerment or the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we allow him to have access into all areas of church. So he won't be blocking the door like some people do. He'll be coming through. He'll be coming through and he'll have access into all areas. He will um, convict us in the area of sin. He convicts us and reveals Jesus Christ as Lord. He leads us into revelation and understanding. He helps to build the Christ. He helps to reveal who God is. This is all part and parcel of what the work of the Holy Ghost is. He will train us. He will build us. He will equip us and he will empower us. Yes, that is the difference between being filled with the Holy Ghost using church terms and having the Holy Spirit just live inside of you. Okay. now I'm going to read for you this morning, Ephesians chapter three, verses 14 to 21, if you want to turn with that. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to the strengthening with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us. Number one, I kneel before the father from whom the whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. That's what Paul was saying. Paul declares there is one family, whether it's in heaven or on earth. This whole family derives its name because it carries the same DNA of the father. That makes sense? This DNA, as God starts to pour out by his spirit, Paul prays that every believer starts to get built up in this knowledge and understanding. The knowledge and understanding is, we come from him. He's the boss. He's the king of glory. That DNA is placed inside each one of us. Whether it be what Andy said this morning, the scripture that Pat read, or whatever uh, Kev brought this morning, are all built around one thing. That the spirit is active and at work within every one of us. Is there anybody that the spirit is not active in? If you are born again, should the spirit be active in your life? Yes? Should it be? The spirit is active and should be active in every one of us, continually looking to reveal, continually looking to push back, continually looking to see the Christ built inside of us. You know, it says in the next part, it says that the very dimensions of heaven can be revealed to you and I. The scripture goes on to say, doesn't it? It says that who knows the thoughts of a man except the very man. But the thoughts of God are revealed to us by... By the Spirit. It's the very things that God has here that we see that he holds in heaven can be released and understood by you and I. Bigger picture. Reading the Old Testament, God turns around and says, I do nothing without revealing it first to my servants, the prophets. That God never wants to keep us in the dark. God doesn't have this big secret cupboard where he wants to keep all revelation and understanding. He's trying to bring the body into alignment with Jesus Christ, the head, so that we do what he did. 
Have you ever wondered what Jesus meant when he turns around and says, these things and greater will you do? Have you ever wondered? Look at what Jesus did. He walks on water. He raises the dead. He feeds the 5,000. He cures every kind of sickness and disease. What is there greater to do? These things and greater will you do. When Jesus Christ himself turns around and says, the greatest thing that you can have is the ability to see a man's spirit come to life and see the empowerment of the Holy Ghost on another individual is the greatest thing that you can ever do. Oh, you've all gone quiet now. Some of you are thinking, shall I stone him or shan't I? You don't know yet, do you? But this is it. The very issue of saying that a man is strengthened in his inner being, his inner man, the spirit, the Christ being formed. These things that Paul writes about are not great mysteries. What Pastor Tony started to speak on last week about a recreated spirit, I don't think we always get on the page with. Where we get on the page is this. Is that once we've been made alive and we get introduced to Christ, that's where many of us stop. We bump into him. We say, I love you. There was a time I felt sorry. Maybe I cried at the front. And then we say, that's it. I'm now a Christian and that's making it work. It's the beginning. My spirit gets expanded. My revelation gets expanded. I understand him more. I know his ways. I start to get developed and changed. And in all of that, my capacity needs to increase. Now, if we were to look at the table which we had this morning, and I was to use one of these vessels. If you're in the desert and you've been gasping for a drink for two days and I come along and gave you that, filled it up, is that going to meet your capacity that you need? No. It's maybe wet your tongue. You've not even got wet lips from that, have you? When we first get empowered, changed, development, uh, developed, Our very capacity is very, very small. Because God, everything he deposits, you need to remember this. Mark it down because it will save your life. Whenever God deals with us, he deals with us, whether it's word, whether it's uh, an encounter with him, in seed form. He plants a seed that needs to be watered, developed, nurtured and brought to fruition. That makes sense. Because I know this morning that there are lots of people at all different levels. Some have been Christians a long time. Some that are only have been on board maybe for six months. So I don't want to be too confusing in everything I'm saying this morning. But what we're looking to do is see that as he gives us that deposit, how can we make that come to a never-ending stream that can flow in us and through us? Developers can sustain us and sustain those around us. That makes sense? We see that also from this scripture, it says that as this inner man is developed, that Christ begins to dwell in our hearts. Why would Christ begin to dwell in our hearts? He dwells in our hearts because we are a people who are born of God's DNA. So he sees the father. The Holy Spirit is a deposit guarantee in our inheritance. And as those two natures are birthed together, Jesus wants to be in the mix. So as in his in the mix, the very Christ man is born and birthed inside of you. 
Because guess what? The scripture says there should be less of you and more of him. The capacity to hold more of him, more of the Godhead, to be able to carry it in this earthen vessel is part and parcel of our advancement of the kingdom. Now, I know you're still thinking, but Phil, how does this strengthen my spirit? We're getting there. Don't worry. We have to remember that it has to be somewhere for him to live in the first place. Amen. It also goes on to say that the height, width, depth are no longer governed by our feelings, but we comprehend spiritual things. What does that mean? It means this very, very simply. When Pastor Tony touched on last week again, the area between your soul and your spirit and the way that they both come into alignment and they'll clash at times, is that all of my being starts to understand what God is and how he works. So, Paul turns around and declares this, doesn't he? He says, I am persuaded that my God is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. If I just have a feel-good factor about God, I came in, I felt bad, somebody told me I needed to be a Christian, so I made the step, I didn't understand, but people told me I'll work out en route. I was moved in the area of an emotion, but as I grow and understand what the love of God is towards me, I understand how Kevin described it this morning, that when I go through a storm, God doesn't do it because he doesn't like me. It does it because I'm able to grow, to mature. The scripture also says that the Lord disciplines those he loves. He disciplines us. So we get into this place of saying, right, how do I understand the, God, uh, the way that God deals in my life? If it's all about emotion, you maybe have said this like I said. God, I love you, but I don't always like you. Is anybody honest enough to say that? I don't always like the way that God deals with me. I don't always like it when he sometimes goes quiet. You know, I don't like using personal testimony um, too much, but I'll, I'll tell you something. That there was some years ago where um, my job situation changed. I left my company. I had another job lined up for the day after, and I was just about to take it, this job. They turned around and said um, there was a job on offer. I went for it. And they said, this is the salary that we want to pay. And I said, sorry, I don't work for that. And they said, well, we'll make an exception. So they was willing to pay me an extra 5000 over and above what they were paying everybody else. And he was like, right, I'll start on the Monday. The guy said, I just need to speak to the other director. I'll give you a call back. He was like, brilliant. And then God gets involved. And then what God gets involved in was, I'm in here just Sunday morning, minding my own business, like job went on Friday, by Friday afternoon, new job lined up for Monday, already had the interview in that time, Sunday, getting around here, ready to just to say, here's a testimony, I'll be starting this new job on Monday, and God said, this heard it, a clear, audible voice, you don't know why, but take the job with Angie's brother, pardon? <laughs> what job? With Angie's brother. Do you realise I am a designer? I have nice nails and I, don't have, I have nice soft skin because I don't do any work. You kind of just move around in your office all day. Angie's brother does building work and he does glazing and he does conservatories and, all, and he does a very good job. He does. So it was like, right, what's this job? So I said to Ange, 
God's told me I'm going to be working with your brother. That Sunday afternoon, he rolls up in his van. I'm short for Monday. (laughs) Are you free? (laughs) Fine. God, you've got something lined up. So I go. I'm all happy now because I'm in the will of God. Yes? Anybody been there? I'm happy. And then I got there on Monday and it was raining and it was cold and I was soaking wet and I broke my nails. (laughs) Terrible. I had a splinter, cut myself. I was stuck up, but then I had to deal with Angie's brother, who on a good day, he's good. But on a bad day, he's not good. And it was flipping horrible, telling you now. And it was like, every day, Angie'd come out and she'd, she'd be waiting for me to come home. And I was miserable as sin, really. And I threw myself on my knees, I'm saying... God, why did you say this job? God, why am I here? But all the time, I knew I couldn't leave. Do you know why I can't leave? Because when God said, stand on that spot there, it's like the naughty corner. I'm on the naughty step. Don't leave the naughty step. I'm on the naughty step. Six months went by. Every day, getting shouted at, getting called, all the stuff that went on, your morale's getting lower and lower, and God said nothing. That was like, oh my Lord. Get to six months, get to the end, I'm going to GLS. I think, I'm great, I've got, I'm having a week away. <laughs> I'm getting some sanity back. We went, we fly, I know this is a story. We fly, we get into Singapore, it's the first night. You know what it's like, guys, you've not slept for a day in a bit, you're really tired. Get in bed, just thinking, wonderful. Then God said, now it's time to talk. I was like, Fine. I'm sharing a room with somebody else, so you've got to go and do your business. In the loo. So I'm sat in the loo in Singapore. (laughs) In Singapore with the door shut, going, okay, God, what's this all about? God said something really, really simple. He turned around and said, the reason I told you to take this job was for this. I wanted a man of prayer in the word, and you neither. And you go, what? Have you seen my rap sheet? See, for what I try and believe I'm doing and what God says he expects were two completely different things. And at the end of that, once I knew, he then turned around and says, and now you're free to leave. It's your choice. So I was quite happy. I, was, I was, wasn't happy because I wasn't where I thought I was. But the other bit was he was willing to say, now I could leave. And I stayed for another two months until he found a replacement for me. So I didn't walk out. I stayed for another two months. But the issue was this. In that time of seeking God and hearing nothing back, I found out more about how God worked and more about me than I did when everything was rosy and my skin was soft and I hadn't broken nail and it was all wonderful. Because you have to remember where I worked, I worked in Eden. Later I did. I worked in Eden. I worked in the middle of the country, private swimming pool, five-star restaurant that was all paid for. It, I tell you, life was good where I was until I got on a ladder. Don't get on a ladder. <laughs> but the issue was that God said he was trying to develop something in me. I was reminded of one scripture. It says the children of Israel knew God's deeds, but Moses knew his ways. As a church in the New Testament have so much revelation and so much understanding of the bigger picture, we should be a people who always know his ways. 
I don't just need to know that he came through. I don't just need to know that in the storm there was Jesus in the boat. I need to know why he did it, what he's doing in me, why he wants to change me, why he wants to develop. That's comprehending the knowledge of God. He says, this is what I'm doing in the city. This is, do you remember what Pastor Tony said? When he turned around and said, what do, you want to, what do you want us to do in the city, Lord? He said, wrong question. You need to ask me, what man do I want? Because he needs a vessel to pull through. So when God's looking for a man, he's looking for a church. He needs to make sure that the Christ is built on the inside. The inner man is strengthened. That the very blueprint that he's putting down, we line ourselves up to. But guess what? We're not like David. We're not shouting in the dark, Lord, give me a spirit to sustain me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. He says, I'm giving you everything you need for life and godliness. I'm giving you blueprints. It turns around and see if you read Ephesians 4. It says, I give you the apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher. I bring you all of these things. The blueprint can be established until we all come through into maturity of the faith. It's not about ones and twos. It's not about specialists. It's not about some are more important than others. He said every single one of us can have a spirit that's expanded. Every one of us can have a spirit that sustains us. Every one of us can know what the revelation of God is. Every one of us can have the very ear of God. Every one of us can hear his voice and then say what that is. Every one of us can know how to move in this environment. But we've become so programmed to leaving it to everybody else we only ever become a shadow model of that. But if there's going to be a storm or circumstances change, you know, you only ever find out what you're like and how strong your relationships are when they're tested. So that's my relationship with him as well. The times when I just want to shake my fist at him or say, what are you doing or why didn't that open or you promised and you said. And then he just drops down my rap sheet and says, yeah, but do you remember you were supposed to do A, B and C because I always seem to forget my part of the bargain. I always go, God, where, why haven't you come through? Well, excuse me, I didn't come through. Have you done this on Tuesday? Like I said, uh, no. Did you do that on Wednesday? Like I said, uh, no. Why are you expecting me to make up all of the slack? His grace is towards us. We know that he's a merciful God. We know that he's looking to develop and change us. But we are the ones who are responsible for making sure that our capacities continually increase. Does that make sense? The last part of that verse in verse 19, it says that we can find or come to the full measure of the fullness of God. I'll be honest. It's not often that I flow at a full measure. All right, I'll only speak for about me then, you miserable bunch. I don't always flow at a full measure. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't always do it. I know what I can be because he's told me what I can be, but I don't always make that journey. I know that how I can embrace and be changed to more into his likeness, but I don't always choose it. You see, there is a scripture from Malachi, and we're talking completely different context. But when the area of tithes and offerings into a house, God turns around and he makes this promise that when somebody tithes into the house, there'll be windows of heaven open above your life. But it also says, and I will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. Is that right? But then I had to ask the question, but what if I'm the devourer? And in my life... I found out that I kind of keep blaming the devil and circumstances for so many things, but it's been me who's been robbing me. It's been me who's been robbing me, and the bigger picture is I rob him in that process. 
Because how can you rob God? Just a little sound note. How do you rob God? Do you ever get your fingers into the treasury of heaven? You don't, do you? Can you reach up and just say, excuse me, you know, do you know like we just heard last week about that big diamond raid in, uh, where was it, in Holland? Was it Holland? Belgium somewhere? Europe? Somewhere where they don't shut the door. They went in and they robbed it at the airport, didn't they, all them diamonds? Do you think there's somebody planning, thinking, I'm going to get into heaven and rob the treasury of heaven? How do we ever rob God? We rob God in the delight of a father seeing his children coming through into the inheritance that he desires to give for you. So you might not rob God in the area of tithes and offerings, but do we rob him of the picture of his son being built in you and I? A greater capacity to hold, to being the people who can be the doers and not just the hearers. We push all that through. But I'm speaking this morning on the very premise that one, you've been baptised, church word, in the Holy Spirit in the first place. Now, if you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit because it's no big deal. Please don't, I haven't just taken that and put it into nothing. What I mean is that in days gone past, it used to be that people put such uh, a kind of expectancy on it, it was almost unreachable. The days of when people turned around and would say, um, because people moved in the revelation that they had at the time, we'll have a waiting meeting. So we'll all sit and wait in a room. And if something happens, it happens. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. God doesn't have to treat us that way. We have the technologies that as long as you know Jesus Christ as your own personal saviour, you can and will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because it's his heart towards every believer. True? It isn't that God has any favourites. There should just be a few things that you ever think about in the first hand if you've not been filled. It's our posture, the position that we take is this. Our hearts must be prepared We must desire more of God. We must ask God for it in the first place. And we must have faith to receive. Now, I think that can be four boxes all of us can tick. So what we'll do is um, I'll I'll make an arrangement with Pastor Tony, which will be this. At the next building in the Spirit, we'll say at the end of that night, anybody who's not filled with the Holy Spirit won't be leaving until you are. Does that sound good? these are all the bits that's going to help to sustain you because guess what you can be strong you can be strong-willed you can be another one pig-headed and just say i'll get through this storm nothing's going to break me everything will be all right do you know what the psalm says oh sorry it's not psalms it's proverbs says it says it's a man's spirit that sustains him in his sickness It's not, I'll fight it. You know, there has to be a spirit dimension that grows inside of us. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The very spirit aspect of every one of us. Guys, we're not Pentecostal. We're not charismatic. We're not Baptist. We're not apostolic. We're not word of faith. We're all of those things that come together that God, whatever he's doing in the truth and revelations poured out, we can glean the very best that God desires for us to have and we make it work and we make it part and parcel of our life. So here's the keys of strengthening what you have. If you don't have, you can have. It's a very short process. Next building in the spirit. I'm not sure. Claire, do we have a date? Second or fourth of September? (laughs) Thinks it's the 10th. The 10th, that means you've got two weeks 
And in two weeks, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, this gives you an opportunity to prepare your heart. Oh my God, Father, I want you. We start to ask God when that comes. I want when they lay hands on me, you're going to give me that gift. You're going to break something out. You're going to transform me. I'm going to the next level. I'm going higher. My capacity is going to increase. More and more, we start to be stretched. You know, but the thing is, I know this. If you go to the gym and you do a set of exercises either that you've not done before or a part of your body that you don't normally work, you will be sore in a few days. We did something whereby, I don't know if Z's still alive. He's still alive after Monday, Z. We had a workout, but normally we'd be doing, um, we'd be pushing weights and building different areas. We said, no, we're going to get some cardio done. and We're going to do some core work. I'm going to build some stuff. So we're just on our mats doing press-ups and leg raises and squats and all kind of things. I was great for two days. And then, like that staggering drunken man, my legs decided they didn't belong to me. Now, you might not have had that, but you know like when legs work like this, and you kind of think, I'm going to a meeting, but my legs still work like this. And they're sore and everything. Then everything tells you, don't do that again. Why? Because I have pain. But when it's like that, that's the time to exercise it again. It loosens it up. It gets stronger so that now everything's loose, everything's working. And then we'll do twice as much. We'll do twice as much on Monday. And then by Wednesday, I'll be like, because I'm still not used to it. But our spirits need to be developed and stretched. Now, for it to be developed and stretched, there'll be times when you don't like it. It's not that I feel a pain. My soul might feel the pain. Why? Because I'm not sat down watching EastEnders, you know, because they decided I'm going to do some reading or I'll pray or I'll seek his face or I'm trying to study something or I'm reading a book. I'm doing something that develops and he's good for me. It's amazing how much junk we don't mind putting into ourselves. Have you ever tried to find time? Somebody says, uh, Can I meet you this week? I go, I'm so busy. I can't, I can't meet you this week. And I pull out my diary, say the 2nd or the 4th of September. I'm looking, try and find out when time is. But then I look at my average date and you go, well, you know what? I watched telly three hours there and I did that there and I did the other. We have tons of time. We just use our time management badly, don't we? Really. But I'm not talking about time management. I'm talking about there's times when I was a kid. There used to be a program called Why Don't You? Anybody remember Why Don't You? Anybody brought up on Why Don't You? Why Don't You was a complete paradox because it used to be a kid's program that says, why don't you turn off the television set and go and do something less boring instead? So why am I watching a program (laughs) that tells me to turn the telly off? (laughs) Or maybe I was only ever supposed to watch it once. But the thing is, in all of us, if we have a desire to grow, a desire to know him more, a desire to find out his ways, God's heart is hungry for that. He wants to meet you. He wants to change. He wants to develop. He wants to share things with you. He wants to develop, make you grow, make you expand. Guess what? Make some of us more interesting to be around. Because when you're having a conversation and all you can talk about is, did you see this on Coronation Street? You know what my answer is, don't you? What's Coronation Street? When somebody says, what's EastEnders? I don't know. What's this? 
I don't know. But if you ask me what was on match of the day, I can tell you what the score was. Because we've got to balance those things. But that's only on once a week. Unless it's a special week, like I tell Angie, and that's three times a week. But no, we have to get to a position where, is there a desire inside of us to grow in God? If there is, our capacity can increase. Now, let me tell you this really straight. Mark these down. Number one. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you utterance. What does utterance mean? Acts 2 and verse 4. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. How do I develop my spirit? The first place, some of you, as we said, we might have to wait for the 10th, so don't get frustrated, is to develop your language of tongues. Bible says this. It says that when I speak in tongues, I edify. Who do I edify? I edify myself. So this is one of those gifts where God turns around and says, actually, this is okay because this is for you. One, it gives me connection to you and I, so the greatest spirit connection. But all the time, it enables my spirit capacity to grow. This is your spiritual gym workout. Because Paul turns around and says, when you're together in church, you might all be speaking in tongues, but I'd rather you all prophesy. And then it says, and teach each one how they can. So a prophet isn't just a gift of prophecy to one person. Everybody can prophesy. Well... Everyone can prophesy. And in the past, we've taught everybody how to prophesy. We went through all of those principles. And I'm sure, no doubt, we'll do that again. But the issue is this, is that when I speak in tongues, when I have utterance, that is what's good for me. That's my gym workout. That's where my spirit starts to go. And I start to find words and start to push it out. The problem is this, is that for many of us, when we got filled with the Holy Ghost and we started to speak in tongues, what we did on that day, we still have now. Come on, be honest with me. You know, you see, hear some people and they're almost like a machine gun, aren't they? Rat-a-tat-a-tat, rat-a-tat-a-tat, rat a tat Hey, come on, open the door, rat-a-tat-tat, open the door and come in. We never developed. We have little Ruby at the moment in our house. Little Ruby is in a place at the moment where she has no language to express what she wants. If she's not well, she can't tell you she's not. She's had the, she's had the bug that the... Tom Duffield and Grace so willingly gave our family this week. We've had the bug that's done the circuit. Don't worry, one of us stayed strong. I'm not saying who that one is. I'm not saying who that one is. When everybody else had crashed and burned, I felt as rough as anything, but I'm, I'm not saying who that one person is. But she doesn't have the language when her belly was off and she didn't want to eat. She didn't have language to express. Now, here's the thing. When we get filled with the Spirit and we have tongues, it is a spiritual language, not phrase. So how do you build a language? You develop it. You use it. You practice it. You keep going with it. How frustrating would it be if there is Chris? I'm sorry, Chris, you're here again. There's Chris and he's he's French Chris, so it's uh, Monsieur Chris. Uh, Bonabé, see, we've already started there, and he's like, uh, Bonjour, Chris. Uh, bonjour, Mr. Chris. And then he starts with, Bonjour, Coton. Bonjour, Coton. Bonjour, Coton. What? Pardon? Hey. See, he couldn't have said it better himself. Okay? I get into something, and I start 
Because you've all done your pidgin French or your pidgin Spanish when you've been on your holidays, haven't you? Because you're really good. You've read the book on the plane or you've had the CD that's gone right. Learn French in a day. And it's like, Apple, bonjour, bonjour, Apple, or whatever it is. I don't know. As you see, I'm naturally French. I've got all the movements. You got all the stuff that goes down. Now, this is what Pastor Tony told me. He'd practiced his best French to go into McDonald's <laughs> and ask for a burger. So he went in and strutted his stuff up to the counter in his French walk. And it was like, uh, Bonjour, monsieur. Big Mac, right? <laughs> he was all right until the person said, he was all right till somebody spoke back. Bonjour, the Big Mac. All he's got is his one phrase. Now, over a period of time, Tony trying his best, the man on the other side of the counter might get slightly frustrated. When he said, would you like fries with that? Big Mac. All he's got is Big Mac. We came into the place where our spirits were made alive, where God starts to give us something to make us grow, but through lack of practice, lack of stretching, we stopped using something and we stayed at that kind of, Kalagasita, Alavashandi. Kalagasita, Alavashandi. And then you hear, oh Lord, I love you, Lord, Lord, I love you. We're with you. Kalagasita, Alavashandi. And it never really got kick started. Would that be right? Do you know that's not where you have to stop? Because he's willing to pour out, to meet you where you are, to push things through. All we need to do is be able to say, oh my God, start to increase this language and just keep pushing, just keep pushing. Now, here's the thing. Do you realize that once you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and you speak in tongues, you turn it on, turn it off. Would that be right? We're not being flippant with it. We're saying, if I want to speak in tongues, you turn it on, turn it off. It takes no more faith to do that than it does to prophesy. It's the same spirit. All I need to do is nurture that gift. Years ago, we had a guy who came here called um, Frank Holtgren. I don't know if you remember Frank Holtgren. He was a big Australian guy. Uh, old, very regal, great suit, fine, like almost like a, a pilot's moustache. And he was there and he ministered in all the area of the spirit. And one of the things he said was this, because we would, had the opportunity to sit down with him for a meal and pick his brains. And he prophesied over everybody in church. And there was about 150 people that night. There was a joint meeting. And he started at one end. He prophesied the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, word of the Lord. And I said, how did you get from Billy to everybody? He said, it was easy. I started with one. I said, God, give me faith for two. I said, I got two. He said, Lord, give me faith for four. Give me faith. God, give me faith for 10 to receive that word. And it developed. And when I got to 10, it was 11. Lord, give me the faith for that one more. So the place's capacity got bigger and bigger and bigger. That even though there's 150 people, everyone was as clear 
from number one to number 150 was as clear at the end as it was at the beginning. Why? The capacity inside of him was big enough to be able to hold. That is developed by this one simple area. That as I have utterance and I start to speak in tongue, I start to feel what's going on. I feel the rhythm of the spirit and it causes me to stretch, develop, stretch and develop. And other giftings can be built on top of it. The initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost is speaking in tongues. Why? Because it enables my spirit expansion. Yes? Number two. Start to hear the very words that you say. Because as you hear the words you say, you can start to get a sense of what's being said. Because it's no good as all running around, which would deem like we've just all broken out of the crazy asylum. So it's running around, Calagasita, I'll have a shandy, Calagasita, I'll have a shandy. And then there's Veronica, and a Bacardi too, and a Bacardi too, chandelier. And you know, we're throwing things, it's just random things. But if God is communicating with us, what's he communicating? So I have to be able to start to develop the feeling of what I've got. Now, here's the thing. For those, again, I'm sorry I can't keep apologizing if you're not filled with the Spirit yet. But for those of us, maybe you've been in your own private time, you're in church, you're in a building in the Spirit, and you feel a different rhythm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or am I just talking like a strange person? You feel a different rhythm because sometimes when you speak in tongues, it's very worshipful. You feel it, it's very gentle. You can almost get a rhythm to it. You sing. I'm not going to sing, please. (laughs) I'm not going to sing. But we have those elements where you feel the difference. And then there's other times you might feel like a a weight, almost like a grieving in you. And you feel, you just, you don't know what you're praying, but you're just walking, you're maybe pacing, and you feel it, you're speaking in tongues, there's almost like a grieving on top of you. There's other times, a great sense of victory. It can be almost like, it can be a shout. Or another time, you feel that there's almost like a warfare, and you're pushing something back. Your spirit is adapting to what it's already receiving from heaven, you just don't know how to interpret it. So you have to learn how to develop what your spirit is saying filtered through the soul so that you get an understanding yeah and not only do you get an understanding you then also get a clarity of what you're saying so when it was in big mac i might be saying that in tongues in the english i know that i'm asking for a big mac so that when i'm praying in a language that is not my words i'm speaking out i still know where i'm going it might be that god drops into my spirit as i'm speaking We're praying for the city. All I need to know is we're praying for the city. And then in that, it can all be going. It's pushing and building. But in all of it, not only me responding to what heaven is declaring, my spirit is getting stronger. The inner man is being developed. This is all part and parcel of the power of the recreated spirit. It gets bigger and bigger. You know, the one thing is this. Your spirit moves faster than your mind ever will. You know that? There's times when your spirit wants to do something. There's something, maybe we're here at the front, and you haven't got vocabulary to say it yet. You don't exactly know what's going on. But all in here, something's jumping that goes, God's doing something, he's doing something, and your brain's trying to catch up. We've, you've all been there, yeah? Your brain's trying to catch up. And that's where you go, okay, enter the rest, because we don't have to get all stressed about it. I enter the rest again. God, what are you saying? Because... If you try and think of maybe, say, the role of Pastor Tony or maybe who's at the front here, 
They have to worship themselves. They have to watch what's going on. They have to hear the voice of God and then put all of those things together at the same time. So God, what are you saying? How are the people responding? I still need to be able to worship and then still watch the mechanics. That seems like it's really hard to do. But as you develop and change, develop and change, your capacity increases. Yes? So all the time we need to uh, be able to pull that through. As words are coming to us, spontaneous thoughts will come to us at the same time. Maybe you're just praying, and then it's almost like maybe it's a word of knowledge or something comes along and says, we need to pray this, somebody who's got a a sore hip. So we're going to pray for, and you just got a word out of nowhere. It's like, we filter that again through our spirits, but we have to go, right, God, what you're saying, because as we're connecting to heaven, he's firing things out. It's coming down on the broadband, and we need to understand how we can draw from that and build it into our own lives. We need to speak what we need to speak and hold on to other areas. Does this make sense? In 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 13, it says this, which things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. The two get built together. Moving on quickly because our time's already going. Number four, shut down thoughts and behavior patterns that violate the spirit. Anything that violates the spirit of holiness, cut it off. Shut down thoughts and behavior patterns that violate the spirit. So anything that violates holiness, say, in our lives, cut it off. Because what we'll do is we grieve him. Do you remember the situation with David? David said, take not your spirit from me because we've sinned. We know that if we've sinned, we have an advocate who is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We apply the blood again. Yes, we repent, we confess, we bring it to him. The spirit didn't leave. We can grieve him. He didn't leave. So what we've got is if there's an environment we're trying to create where he can function and have all his glory, it needs to be clean. So be careful what you watch. Be careful how you deal with each other. Be careful how things are. Let me tell you something. In the area of self-preservation, there, for instance, there's Kev. Me and Kev, we have words and we fall out. Okay, we've had a fallout. And then I go down, flipping, stinking, Watson. Right? Hear what I said. I didn't say it. I think that's stinking Watson. He's all right. He's all right because he's already let it go. I then start to hold on to that. And each time I think of him, I walk past he's that flipping stinking Watson. I start to hold something in my heart. He's got on with his life. He's all right. The only person in being hurt is me. And it becomes a blockage in the roadmap of God, what he's doing in my life. Because I start holding something against him. I begrudge that. I'm doing the other. You know, there's lots of times we blame the devil for things. It's called bad choices. I make bad choices and I don't react the way I'm supposed to react. If I react correctly, everything's okay. And most of the time, if we drill down in anybody's life, you counsel, there's normally one issue which you you nail on, and that's the one thing that somebody doesn't want to let go. The Titanic's going down, and I'm taking the piano with me. That's how it is. You'll see it so often, there'll be bits that hold on to your life. But if there is something that violates that relationship with the Holy Spirit, let it go. But I don't want to let it go. 
Exactly. We can't. We turn around and say, um, you know, it's like forgiveness. Remember, forgiveness is not an emotion. It's a choice. You choose to forgive. I might not want to forgive. But I have to forgive on the basis of, if I don't, this will be a stone that drags me down for the rest of my life. I'll let you into just a glimmer. You don't want the whole picture. I'm telling you now. I'll let you into a glimmer. I'll lift the corner. Life in the Clark household. So I'll lift a little bit. Lift the lid. Angie's one of those people where, you know, like you have the pressure cooker. It kind of builds up for a while. And then when it gets to a certain level, there's a scream that comes out the top where the pressure's being released. Angie's one of those people where the pressure builds up, keep smiling. <laughs> Gotta kill you in a minute, stab you. <laughs> and it builds, it builds, it builds. And then she goes, boom! Everybody gets it. There is fallout everywhere. It, she could have fell out with a dog, but you're getting it when you come in. But then when Angie's exploded, Angie's like, and the world is such a wonderful, warm, happy, fuzzy place. Because I've said it, and I've told you. She's one of those. I don't quite, quite work that way. But the reason I'm using this example is we deal with each other's lives, and somebody explodes, they do something, maybe they've had a bad day. And instead of us being mature enough to say, just them having a moment and letting it go. We hold it. And it's, you say it under your breath, don't you? Don't, can't trust them. You can't build with them. They'll let you down. Two last quick things, then I promise we'll finish. I'll do a Pastor Tony. If we build, as we said, this language needs to come through to something. If you write this process down, that as we build this uh, language, it becomes a force in our lives. But write this. We start with words. Words lead to sentences. Sentences, language. Language, communication. Communication allows us to build atmospheres Atmospheres, relationship, relationship births intimacy. And that's how your spirit develops. That is the role and that is the flow of what happens between you and God. You start in with words, words become sentences, sentences become language. I start to communicate with him. Atmospheres are created, relationship is birthed, intimacy is what the final result is. He speaks, he whispers, he leads me by his eyes. All because my spirit is starting to get stronger. See, what all of us expect is when we come into church, we think church life is cerebral like the rest of it. We think that God deals with us through the area of our head. He doesn't. He deals with us through the area of our hearts. So if our capacity increases so we can communicate and commune with him in a greater way and a quicker way, how much better is that for all of us? And finally, <clears throat> develop a healthy mind. Don't put 
roadblocks or set capacity over your own life. The whole thing about the spirit when he starts to deal with you and he starts to share, when we said about the aspects of the whole person, so your body, soul and spirit coming together because my body's worshipping, my soul is in alignment, my spirit is doing what it needs to. It's amazing how many things that God wants to drop right into your spirit. Maybe it's a thought, maybe it's an idea, maybe it's an element of creativity, stuff that came through. Now, with this, look, I'm doing a pastor tone now. I'm going to close this. Won't stop me talking, but I've closed it. <laughs> I'll just tell you one thing. In this whole area of developing your spirit and finding God and seeing how things pull through. I'm using practical because practical works for all of us. You know that I'm not special, don't you? Special needs at times, yes, but not special, okay? Situation happened about 18 months ago with Kevin and I. We were talking about developing, planning, where do we go, different stuff. Kevin went downstairs in his house to make a brew. Because when he comes back, we're going to have a chat about how we develop and push the business forward. By the time he'd made a brew and come back, we already had a brand new business idea, how it was going to work, how we could develop it, and how we could take it to market in less than 10 minutes. They go, oh, I've been thinking about that for ages. No. Did this idea not come from over there, Kev? This is something we would never, ever have ever thought about before. Situation drops in to the place now where that idea is up and working, it's in full development stage at the moment, and will be released inside the next 10 weeks. There's already somebody who wants to take it on, birth it, and release it in their own country and franchise it out. 10 minutes. Why? Because it wasn't the strain, wasn't the struggle. It was that as we commune with him, God wants to say, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to birth. As we do it, we feel, so we're building a language. We want the intimacy with God. All the time, we're not going to him to get. I'm going to him because of who he is. I want the intimacy. Lord, I just love you. I want to be around you. You know, the great story of the picture you see is, the, is of Joshua, the way that he stayed in the tent. Moses had left. Moses and God, they finished business for the day. Seven o'clock, the down tools, they'd gone out. Moses, uh, uh, Joshua, it says, and he just stayed in the presence. You know, when I want God for who he is, not for what I get, things change. I very, very quickly covered a huge subject this morning. That's right. hence the reason why I said you need to give me some grace because really this is a six-weeker that we've covered today. But when we look at it, if I can establish in my own life and you can decide in yours that if I allow this Christ man to grow in me and I allow my spirit to be strengthened, there isn't anything that's going to take me off my feet. It's worth it. He wants to communicate with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to be intimate with you. He wants to empower you. He wants to stretch you. He wants you to be the answer. We're the body that makes the head work. These things and greater will you do. Oh, I could be shouting now, jumping up and down. We're all prophesying and we're doing this and we're pulling that and we've raised 14 from the dead. That's great. But if you haven't been built on the inside, if your capacity isn't there, you know, I can go on the autobahn in Germany. You know, in the autobahn in Germany, you can drive as fast as you want. Do you know that? 
has no speed limit. So you can get on a motorway and go as fast as you want. Could you imagine me saying, that's it, Ange, we're going. We're going on the autobahn. There is no speed limit where we're going, darling. And then we turn up in the P. In the little day it is. 55 and everything's rattling. It's all got, it doesn't matter that I can be somewhere that says there's limitless, limitless possibilities if my own capacity won't allow me to take benefit or the good from it. That makes sense? Come on, let's just stand to our feet. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information, go to www.thedreamcentre.co.uk.